The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Part two of our weekly NFL uh, preview for week number four. And, uh, well, not our NFL preview, but our beloved Chicago Bears uh, heading back home to take on the Lions, um, looking to rebound from Sunday's massacre uh, in Cleveland, and uh, I guess we can can take some kind of solace, some kind of comfort in the fact that it would be extremely difficult for it to be any worse or any uglier than it was last week because we basically did make history with how perform how poor our performance was uh, against the Browns. We averaged one point one yard per play, which I think they said was second worst in league history. So, and I'm sure that like the first worst was like somebody that played another team that doesn't exist anymore in 1935 or something like that. You know, even, you know, before anything remotely resembling the modern NFL uh, was taking place. So, yeah, it was a uh, difficult afternoon to sit through. And it has also been a very difficult week to navigate for us as Bear fans because here we sit on Thursday as I'm recording this. And by the time most of you are listening to this, hopefully on Friday, we will have an answer to the two most burning questions. And we'll talk about that here in uh, news and notes. We also have keys to the game. So let's go ahead and get this show started. It's the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Like I said, it's it's hard to imagine that we could 
follow up last Sunday's performance with one worse than that one. So I guess we can all take some comfort in the fact that it can only get better from here. And you notice how my voice is going up into the higher register because I'm not certain that that's actually true. We just got to hope. Glass half full this week going into the game. It's a winnable opportunity, but as you heard me talking to uh, Jeremy Reisman, I mentioned more than once that uh, the six games to follow this one, probably one of the toughest stretches in the league for anybody. Uh, You know, next week we have the Raiders who could, uh, let's see, who are they playing this week? Well, they're at the Chargers, so they, I mean, they could be 4-0, but they also could be three and one, which is way better than we'll. Well, I mean, even if we're two and two, their three and one is far more impressive than our two and two. We beat the Lions and the Bengals and got smoked by the Browns and the Rams. So we beat the bad teams and, and lost to the good ones. So I think the the Raiders thus far are looking pretty good. So that could be a loss. Then we come home for Green Bay, home for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, home or on the road for the Buccaneers home for the 49ers, on the road for Pittsburgh, and uh, then we have our bye week, week 10, and then home for the Ravens before we play the Lions again week 12 on Thanksgiving. So God help us. God help us. We need to improve, and we need to improve fast because I doubt that Nagy would survive a second straight season that included a six-game losing streak. So... One could only hope because there was an article earlier this week that said that uh, there are rumblings in the building, insiders talking to insiders saying that uh, if Nagy loses to the Lions, he might be fired on Monday. So if there was ever going to be a silver lining to us losing to the Lions on Sunday, that might be it. So I don't want the Bears to lose. I would like to see Matt Nagy fired. I would prefer that we do it without losing to the Lions, though. You know, maybe we could settle for eking one out over the Lions, but the offense still looks incompetent and and awful. And uh, the defense and special teams help us win a 16 to 13 game or something like that, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, losing that game uh, to the Lions. But um, yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I, I know that I wouldn't hate it. If it happened, but I would hate very much losing to Detroit. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive into these uh, news and notes. We've got a lot to cover uh, today. As I mentioned before, top of the show, uh, the Bears are mum thus far on on Wednesday and Thursday on the two most burning questions that we have going into this game on Sunday. A, who's our freaking quarterback? And B, probably more importantly, who's our freaking play caller? Now, Nagy has sort of answered the play caller thing. He's actually sort of answered both questions because he's sticking to the whole if Andy Dalton is healthy, he's our starter thing. And he's also said that they're keeping it internal as to who the play caller is. And a lot of people are reading between the lines that it means he's not the play caller because I think everyone thinks slash believes that if Nagy was going to keep calling the plays, he would say so. So at this point, I don't know that that's true, especially after the turd that he laid in Cleveland on Sunday. 
would he want to admit to the world that he was calling the place uh, against the Lions? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to tell us that on Friday, the whole gamesmanship thing, or at least that's what he's hiding behind again. The quarterback thing, they're saying it's a health issue, um, even though uh, Justin Fields hasn't been limited at all. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. This week, but Andy Dalton has been. So I don't, I don't know. But as of, you know, Thursday night, we don't know who our quarterback's going to be. We don't know who's calling the place. Uh, on Sunday, so we'll have to live with uh, with it. Hopefully, we'll have an answer by Friday, so we we can know. I think I think at the very least we'll know the quarterback situation because that's when the injury designations come out and uh, uh, and what have you. And we'll find out. And with basically, it's it's all on Andy Dalton. If he's doubtful or whatever, then Field is going to start, and Foles will back him up, and then there we go. But um, play caller, I think that they'll take that one to the to the death, I guess, to the grave, uh, if you will. We'll have to wait and see. So, um, but speaking of play callers, uh, Bill Lazor had his presser uh, today, and uh, after reading some of his comments, I posted a, a tweet that uh, I uh, I think that uh, Bill Lazor is uh, low key trying to facilitate a a mutiny. And I'm here for it because he's not directly calling Matt Nagy out or anything like that, but he's also not really pulling his punches either when he's answering questions. I mean, he flat out admitted that what we did against Cleveland, if he could go back and fix it, he would, you know, like we would have done something different with protections. We would have made changes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, he's, But he also said that, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how he was saying he thought Justin Fields looked ready and that anything that we throw at him, he, you know, excels or succeeds uh, with it, which kind of flies in the face of what Nagy. I mean, Matt Nagy never came out and said he wasn't ready, but he was always just adamant that Dalton was the guy. Dalton's the guy. And then when we think 
uh, Justin is ready, then he'll go into the game. So not saying directly he's not ready yet, but also, you know, when we think Justin is ready. And Bill Lazor's like, yeah, he's ready. He's ready to go. So it's just um, we have to do in, his, in the infancy of his career, we have to do what he's good at. And for Justin Fields, that's somebody who wants to scan the field, who wants to make big plays, who wants to throw the ball deep. And if that play's not there, he wants to use his legs. I mean, it's actually kind of like Russell Wilson. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is not a get-the-ball-out-quick kind of quarterback. He's more of the, you know, mid-to-deep-range kind of guy uh, that uses his accuracy to his advantage. It has been his calling card his entire career and his other calling card has been using his legs to get out of tight situations so uh, but instead the Bears were forcing Justin Fields the entire game against the Browns to run Andy Dalton's version of our offense and getting the ball out quickly and and all that kind of stuff and his natural instinct is to hang on to the football so if he's not ready that's what he's not ready to do yet he's not ready to play the quick strike game that Matt Nagy wants him to play, which of course flies right into the whole Nagy's not tailoring the offense to what his players do best. There you go. So uh, maybe if, if Laser is in fact calling the plays on Sunday, we'll see a bit more of that. We'll see better protections to give Andy Dalton. Excuse me. I Why the hell do I keep doing that? It's really starting to piss me off that we will, you know, give to give Justin Fields more time to throw the ball. And uh, instead of trying to do a quick dink and dunk thing that Andy Dalton is good at. So we'll see. We will see. I'm uh, not optimistic. His, his answer is a little too cryptic. We're going to keep that internal and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's like we don't want the Lions to prepare for a competent offense that Bill Lazor, you know, would, would do. One that had more flow and, uh, you know, that uh, tailored its, its strengths to uh, even, you know, what Trubisky did well, we ran the ball more with David Montgomery and things like that. We wouldn't want the the Lions to be prepared for that. So we're going to let them think that we're going to leave our tackles uh, all in island so they can send seven guys that we will try to block with five no matter what and uh, leave Justin Fields out there uh, in, in no man's land every single snap. So... But speaking of Justin Fields, uh, Dan Orlovsky, who took a lot of heat during the preseason because uh, this was, he was one of those guys, one of those talking heads that um, maybe not directly, but contributed to Justin Fields' slide in the draft. Not that NFL teams listen to any of these people when they're um, evaluating players for the draft. But Dan Orlovsky was one of those people that cut Justin Fields down at every opportunity that he could pre-draft. And ever since the preseason, when we see that Justin Fields has the looks of the real thing and that the Bears finally have that guy, he was the one pounding the table to get Justin Fields out there. He was the one that started off the week screaming at the camera that Matt Nagy should be fired. Now he's taken a sharp left from um, reasonable to overreaction. And his overreaction is 
that Justin Fields should demand a trade now if Matt Nagy isn't fired. Like, say we lose this game to the Lions on Sunday, and it's more of the same like what we saw against Cleveland because Fields is the likely starter going into this thing. Uh, I haven't heard about how Andy Dalton's handling that injury in practice. We just know that he's been limited. And I just think it would kind of be the ultimate slap in the face if Andy Dalton started while he was hobbling around on the field versus an otherwise healthy Justin Fields, you know? So, I mean, that would be strike number one in that, in that sense. But, um, you know, let's just say that we do lose the game on Sunday. He's basically saying that Justin Fields should demand his way out of Chicago if we don't fire Nagy after that. And my initial reaction was, all right, let's calm down. To demand out of Chicago midseason like that, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous that he would demand out of Chicago afterwards because he, he has to be saying, if it doesn't happen now, if it doesn't happen Sunday or Monday morning after the game or, or, or whatever, if they don't fire Nagy, Fields should demand a trade to get out of Chicago. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, this, this has to, this is like the television version of, uh, of clickbait. Cause there's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, that, uh, Nagy's going to be out at the end of the season, I think, no matter what. I think he's done. So whether he makes it through the season or if he doesn't survive the bye week or if he's unemployed on Monday, Justin Fields isn't going anywhere. So I don't think he wants to be the next Deshaun Watson, whereas Deshaun Watson is healthy and available and ready to play, but he's been inactive the first three weeks of the season. You know, playing like scout team safety for the Texans uh, to stay busy. It's like I don't even think they allow him on the practice field now um, and everything while they talk about trading him and uh, whatnot. As soon as they start softening on the six draft picks demand for a guy that's got 22 indictments or uh, um, allegations and lawsuits pending uh, against them. So, yeah. You'd be lucky to, like, I wouldn't offer a six-round pick for Sean Watson right now just because we don't know what his future holds. I would hold on to every asset that I had rather than give it up for a guy that might be in jail a few years from now. But, um, you know, I just think, it's like, okay, Dan, you know, you, I was behind you 100% about the whole fire Matt Nagy now. That's how pissed off a lot of us were after that game, after watching the, you know, how – the brutality that Justin Fields had to endure uh, against the Browns, the fact that we didn't do anything to adjust in the game to help out or anything. We just kept doing more of the same, expecting different results. We didn't help him out. I mean, never mind the moving pocket or anything like that. It's just we didn't make any adjustments. We didn't make any, any adjustments whatsoever in that football game. We just kept dropping back. Five-man protections, 21 out of the 30 times, you know, and it failed miserably. I was like, I wonder how many of the sacks came in those 21 five-man protections. Maybe all of them, I think. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so Ar- Arlovsky, he lost me on that one. 
Speaking of losing things, uh, the Bears uh, announced today, they, they released a, a statement that they have uh, signed an agreement to purchase the land in Arlington Heights, which is, I guess, step two in the whole process of uh, a stadium in Arlington Heights. And what's cracking me up is the people out there saying, including Chicago's mayor, Lightfoot, that uh, they shouldn't be allowed to call themselves the Chicago Bears if they leave Chicago. Number one, that's ridiculous. Um, Number two, grow up. And number three, about a third of the teams in the league don't actually play in the city that they claim to be from. You know, the number one and number two markets in the NFL do not play football in their home towns. The L.A. Rams, the L.A. Chargers play in Inglewood, California, a suburb of Los Angeles. The New York Giants, the New York Jets play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They don't even play football in the same freaking state. So the NFL is going to be okay with it. The Bears will be the Chicago Bears, whether they're in Arlington Heights or if they play on the fucking moon. They're going to be the Chicago Bears, period. Okay, and you're going to root for them. You're going to support them. So all these people saying, I won't watch them anymore. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. So everybody just needs to relax. This is most likely happening. And uh, Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, keeps saying that uh, the Bears are mum on what it is they want, which is a lie. There's no way she doesn't know what the Bears' demands are. Maybe she's saying that she doesn't know what they are now that the Bears have leverage, as in now they have a a plot of land they can build a stadium on. Maybe that's what she meant. But if she's going to sit there and try to make us all believe that in prior discussions with the Bears, they've never made their demands known on what it is they want in a... um, in a um, reconstructed or brand new, renovated, that's the word I was looking for, renovated facility or a new one in the city limits. I'm sure they did. And if I was the Bears, to be honest with you, if that happens, God forbid, the Chicago comes to the table with something that keeps us in the city. When they're rebuilding Soldier Field, go to Northwestern. Don't go to champagne or or something like that. Don't play football at the soccer stadium or or whatever. Go to Northwestern. That place can hold 70,000. You know, you want, you know, that's yeah. Go there. So yeah, don't, don't go to champagne. That was stupid. Go to Evanston and play at Ryan field where Northwestern plays. So, you know, deal with the purple end zones and just play football you know, probably closer to home for a lot of the guys on the team because I don't think there are many guys that actually live in Chicago that play for the Bears. They probably all live in the suburbs anyway, close to Lake Forest or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so wrap your minds around it, guys. They could be out of there by 2026. And, uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the NFL is going to let them do it. In fact, the NFL might encourage them 
to do it because then they'd have the opportunity to stage a Super Bowl in Chicago. Granted, a cold-weather city, but it's Chicago. So they've had Super Bowls in New York. They've had them in Los Angeles, obviously. That's a good destination for them. It's this year's Super Bowl, as a matter of fact. Chicago would have a Super Bowl, just like Detroit's had, I think, two. Minnesota's had a couple uh, and things like that. They've been in cold-weather locations before. Hell, one, one time they had it in, in Dallas when they was in the middle of a, you know ice storm or something like that. It was like 12 degrees outside one time. I think it was when the Packers and the Steelers played. The one the Bears could have gone if we'd have won the NFC title game in 2010. We'd have played the Steelers in Dallas. And uh, I think that was the year that they had like ice storms or frozen temperatures and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, this new Arlington Field could uh, host the Super Bowl. And it's, guys, also, wrap your head around this idea as well. It's going to be a dome. Whether it's retractable, like the one at Lucas Oil in Indianapolis, or just a dome, period, like the one in, in Minneapolis where the Vikings play. It's going to be a dome. It's... No more outside conditions, no more quote-unquote bear weather, which, honestly, guys, hasn't been a thing since, like, 85. Okay? It hasn't been a thing for a very long time. And I was listening to Hogan Johns, and, and uh, I think it was Hogue that said, you know, the last time that the Bears were able to use the weather to their advantage was probably that Rams game on Sunday night um, in 2018. Like, Jared Goff and, and the Rams just – really couldn't handle the frozen temperatures in December, uh, you know, at Soldier Field, and that worked to our advantage. But that's like one of the only times in like the last 30 years that that's been a, a relevant thing that would, that it, you know, kind of determined how the game would unfold kind of thing. So, yeah, we'll be away from the Chicago Park District, so we will no longer own the worst uh, surface in the NFL anymore. We'll have our you know, field turf will have the perfect conditions and we'll have a top-notch state-of-the-art facility that both the Bears and the Bear fans deserve. So I am 100% in support of this move. I would also love for the Bears to stay in Chicago, but that's not likely to happen. So I'm all for this new stadium. And I'm, I don't care where it is. Honestly, I could give a shit. I just want the Bears to have a top-notch facility they have the most loyal fan base in the NFL. They deserve to have better than the smallest capacity stadium in the entire league. So, and the only time that we didn't have the slowest, lowest capacity was those few years that the Chargers played in the 30,000 seat soccer stadium uh, in, in Southern California. So, yeah, that was not like, not like even a real thing. So, yeah, but the Bears, the number three, market team in the NFL lowest capacity stadium in the entire league got to fix that so I'm all in support of this all right so let's wrap up with the injury report and uh you know kind of been talking about it Andy Dalton has been limited with that bruised knee both yesterday and today on Thursday um, Justin Fields has been full participation with the right thumb injury. So it wasn't so much a hand injury as it was a thumb injury. I did see a photo of him wearing a brace on that hand. I don't know if he'll wear that in the game 
on Sunday, but he has been full participation, so no limitations uh, in practice. Um, let's see. Khalil Mack hasn't practiced yet with the foot injury that temporarily knocked him out of the Cleveland game. But uh, I'm not worried because, like I said, he suffered the injury, and then he came back and played the rest of the game. So I think they're just uh, being precautions or precautionary with it uh, to get him ready for the game on Sunday. Eddie Goldman, limited on Wednesday, full go today. So I think we've finally broken through, and we're going to see uh, Eddie Goldman take the field uh, against the Lions uh, on Sunday. So if you thought we were good against the Browns last Sunday, see what things could see what things could happen uh, with uh, with Eddie Goldman out there. A stuff in the run and B um, gobbling up blockers so that we could shoot the gaps and stuff like that uh, with Roquan and um, Ogletree and uh, and whatnot. So. Yeah, looks like we're finally going to make that happen. Um, let's see what else. Xavier Crawford was out today with a back injury. Tishon Gibson has yet to practice with the hamstring injury that kept him out last week. Um, Iggy, Yo- Yoel, Joel Iwe uh, Buniwe um, left the game against Cleveland with a hamstring injury and has not yet practiced this week with it. And Darno Mooney's still nursing the groin injury he has been limited but as we saw he played last week against the Browns with the same injury so I think we'll be okay there so there it is that's it so uh that's going to do it for news and notes let's take a quick break for our sponsors and then we will wrap this thing up with keys to the game (coughs) this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> Keys to the game for week four between our beloved Chicago Bears and the visiting Detroit Lions. And as I uh, stated um, yesterday in the, uh, with the, uh, after the uh, interview with Jeremy, always love having him on the show, by the way, one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, 
not a lot of X's and O's involved or pretty much any in these keys that I have. So this probably won't take very long, but, um, first key that I wrote down was, uh, <laughs> the one thing that we didn't do against Cleveland on Sunday was adjust, or at least it didn't appear to be that way. Anyway, it just looked like we kept trying to do the same thing over and over despite what Cleveland was doing to us. And we just paid for our ignorance uh, throughout the ball game to the 26 to six massacre that uh, resulted. Um, you heard me use the example. I don't know if it was yesterday or the, or the review episode. I think it was the review episode on Tuesday. The example that I used was the, the game against the Cowboys in 2010. Um, I mean, that was a team that went 11-5, and five, that won the division, it made it to the NFC Championship game, but our offensive line wasn't very good that year. We gave up a lot of sacks. I mean, our first loss of the season was on Sunday Night Football to the Giants. We gave up nine sacks in the first half. I mean, but we, we made adjustments, so there was only one sack in the last two quarters, so he gave up 10 for the game, but Jay Cutler was sacked nine times, left the game with a concussion, <laughs> because he basically just got beat to death for the first two quarters of the game. But so the Cowboys were bringing the house against the, against the bears, just coming and coming and coming and just all over uh, Jay Cutler, all over everything that we were trying to do offensively. And Mike Martz, who was our offensive coordinator that year, just made the adjustment that we have to do something. We got to get the ball out quick which is obviously part of what we wanted to do against the Browns on Sunday. But uh, it basically it seemed like it all turned on one play where Jay literally hot routed. And I, I think when, when we talk about hot routes, it's acknowledging that the defense is bringing pressure. They're, they're, we know that we're bringing more that we can, than what we can block. So... I need, you know, and you make the adjustment at the line of scrimmage. Maybe this was the experience that Justin Fields lacked to read hot and tell Darnell Mooney to not run the route he was scheduled to in the huddle, but break it off here so the ball can come out and offset what these guys are doing. So, you know, whether it was something that Jay did at the line of scrimmage or something that they did in adjustments between drives, um, Jay hit Greg Olson on a, I, I think he literally caught the ball a, a yard from the line of scrimmage, but we caught them with their pants down and he scored at least like a 60, 70 yard touchdown. And after that, the, the Cowboys weren't coming after us the same way that they were before blocking them was not the chore that it was because they didn't want to get burned like that. Again, we had done something that caused the Cowboys to take their foot off the gas for them to hesitate for a second before they brought pressure before, you know, they, so they weren't just pinning their ears back and coming after us anymore. And we won that game. We won the game. And what we didn't see on against Cleveland on Sunday was anything resembling what the bears did against the Cowboys. And granted, this was 11 years ago in 2010, but it's, it's it's the example because that's the closest to, to what I've seen the Bears endure since then. You know, 
The, the, the Cleveland game reminded me of that beating we took from the Cowboys early on in that football game before we made the adjustments to go out there and, uh, and uh, to, to, to defend what the Cowboys were doing. And we didn't see us doing that. So we have to make adjustments. That's the key. If what we're doing when we go out there on Sunday isn't working, we have to change what we're doing, period. We have to change it. Never mind what the game plan is or what the script is. Here's what they're doing. So what we need to do is this and then do that and see if that works. If it doesn't, try something else. That's what this game is. You know, the stubbornness and, um, you know, sometimes just flat out ignorance uh, of what Nagy has shown as a play caller uh, on, you know, as head coach of this team is what's the most frustrating part. It always brings me back to that thing that that Wollen Crude said. I don't think Nagy's interested in winning so much as he is winning his way. So when, whenever you see things like that, nothing rings more true than that comment. So whatever, if whatever we're doing isn't working, we have to adjust. We have to make the adjustments. And I know that goes against Nagy's nature because he just believes execution will see the way through and all else, will, all else falls by the wayside. If they're doing something that's killing us, then we have to change up what we're doing, you know, make them adjust to us and and what have you. But anyway, so that's key number one. We have to make adjustments on the fly. Don't wait till halftime. You know, if we come out in the first quarter, the first couple of drives and the lines are all over what we're doing, then we got to do something else. Don't wait. Get get, make the changes now. So, yeah, don't wait till halftime. And, uh, you know, to the point where we've fallen behind and can't catch up kind of thing. Because we don't, we have yet, we have not proven that this is a team that can score three or four times in a half. We haven't done it yet. So we don't have the time to wait until halftime to make adjustments. You got to do it now. Professionals, this is what you're paid to do. Make the adjustments, make them now. So uh, number two, someone needs to be the spark. It doesn't mean that they have to be a leader or anything like that, but maybe just the spark that everyone kind of rallies around. If you guys remember last year against the Vikings, opening kickoff of the second half, Cordell Patterson takes it back like 104 yards for a touchdown, gives the Bears the lead, and you could see the sideline exploding. You would think it was a bunch of elementary school kids bouncing around on the sidelines. That's how excited and pumped up that return made everybody. It was the spark that we needed after that insufferable first half uh, that we played. You know, we, we've taken the lead. The defense has been playing well. We, you know, here we go. All right, here we go. We need something like that. Whether it's Khalil Herbert running the opening kickoff back for a touchdown Somebody running back, a punt, a pick six, a fumble recovery, a strip sack, something. We need a spark that's going to set this team off in the right direction. You know, we don't need a leader or somebody to rah-rah and rally the troops or anything like that. We need somebody to go out there and make a play that's going to lift everybody else. And granted, we ended up losing that game against Minnesota. But for me, it was more about the moment itself you could really tell that the team needed 
that moment. They needed a spark like that, something to boost them after the horrific first half that we had sat through uh, against Minnesota. We come out, and despite it all, now we have the lead. We're winning this game now. So now it's a lead we have to protect, and it was just a spark. You could tell it was just something, you know, because, like, I think Eddie Jackson, there were, like, two guys running with Cordell Patterson down the sideline when he broke free and, and all that kind of stuff, and everybody on the sidelines jumping up and down. We need a moment like that on Sunday. And whatever gets us that moment, I'm, I'm down for. Like I said, pick six, strip sack, you know, go for a bomb on the first play of the game, hit Darnell Moody for an 80-yarder down the middle uh, of the field and let him use his speed to run it in uh, for a touchdown. Uh, you know, 80-yard TD run, first play of the game like we did against the Texans last year. Just something that's going to get the team up and running and it's going to get the crowd into it immediately. Get the crowd behind the team because I don't think the crowd's going to be behind the team when the game starts on Sunday. This is our first time seeing this team since the massacre uh, in Cleveland. They're going to be quick to start with the boos and all that kind of stuff because they didn't get a chance to boo last week. We were all sitting at home watching this disaster take place. We didn't get a chance to boo them to their face last week. And they will jump at any opportunity to do so unless something big like the spark I'm talking about takes place first. Opening kickoff, strip sack early on, pick six, fumble recovery, something to get the crowd behind them, to get the team uplifted, you know, raring to go and, and jacked up and, and what have you. We need that on Sunday. We need it to happen. And then finally, um, we have to be ready for anything, especially early on in the, in the game. We have to be ready for, for anything. The Lions, even though talking to, to Jeremy, and I was listening to, to Locked on Bears with Lauren Cox this morning. They had their crossover episode where he had the Lions guy uh, on his show, and Jeremy sees it. That guy from Locked on Lions sees it. We're vulnerable right now. We are there to be taken by the Lions, who should have beaten the Ravens this past Sunday, who, you know, have, who are a, a, are a less talented football team than we are right now, but see us as, you know, uh, the, the wounded animal. So it's, uh, I think that they would, would likely do something early on, maybe like a trick play or something like that to get out in front of us early to do the opposite of what I'm saying that we need from the spark play to be the, to be the thing that kind of sucks the air out of the stadium, a, a, you know, a reverse Philly special type play that results in a 60 yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage for the lions or, or, you know, them sending nine people on a blitz on the first play of offense for the bears or to, you know, to cause an, an interception or a fumble or a sack or, just something that's going to get the Bears on their heels and maybe get us into the here-we-go-again mentality. Now, I will give credit for Nagy. You don't really see our players suffering from that very much. You don't see the slump shoulders and, you know, the here-we-go-again thing. So I give Nagy credit for that. But after last week, if the Lions come out and then the first drive, 
in three pass plays, they sack us twice and we lose 15 yards and stuff like that. It could happen. It could happen. Because if, if Bill Lazor's out there basically talking, talking shit to Nagy about the, the play calling and you know openly kind of disagree, disagreeing in public with the direction the team is taking in, what else is going on behind the scenes? You know, how many players are in support of what Laser is saying and, and, and things like that? You never know. So, like I said, we have to be ready for anything, especially if the Lions start with the football, looking for them to do something, uh, you know, like creatively, a trick play, maybe fake punt or something like that that's going to keep the momentum with them that would be meant to kind of take our f- fans out of the game who are just aching to boo the Bears right now, they you know will likely look to do something like that early on. And that's what we need to offset with the spark play that I was talking about. We need a moment that's going to get the fans behind us immediately so that uh, we're not fighting an uphill battle against the fans and the Lions. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the week four preview between the bears and the lions. Uh, I would say that I'm looking forward to this, but I'm not really. I mean, I look forward into it, to it in the way, like, you know, like we discussed with, with Je- with, with, with Jeremy, obviously green Bay is our biggest rival, but my favorite rivalry in the, uh, in the division is with the lions because those are competitive Football games, those are back and forth. Those are anybody can win type thing. Even though we dominate the series right now, I think we won six of seven or seven of eight or something like that. I think Nagy's only lost to him once or twice. So, but, you know, those are those tend to be good football games. I mean, just think about the two games we played last year. Uh, you know, the Lions should have won week one, but uh, Swift drops the pass in the end zone that would have won it. We should have won at home, but Nagy couldn't get a, get out of his own way and had Mitch throwing on third and long in our own end zone and, you know, ended up with a strip sack and a game-winning touchdown uh, for Detroit. So, yeah, 10-point <laughs> lead in the fourth quarter. We should have won uh, week 12 or 13 or whatever it was, and the Lions should have beat us week one. They had like a 17-point lead going into the fourth quarter before Mitch rattled off three touchdown passes. <laughs> You know, but like I did say to, to to Jeremy, you know, you don't have to worry. The great Mitch Trubisky isn't there. The guy that's, that constantly beat your brains in or always found a way to win against you. He's not on the team anymore, so you can rest easy. The magician is gone. So we'll see how the post-Mitch Bears handle the Detroit Lions on Sunday. So come back on Monday for Bear Up and Bear Down and – uh uh, we'll see how explicit and angry I am. <laughs> uh, both games last year with the with the Lions, I wanted Mitch benched at halftime because he's playing awful in the first half of that Lions game, and then just the overall the game against the Lions, you know, kept taking Montgomery out and stopped running the football, and then obviously losing a ten point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. There was a lot of explicit content because of the Lions last year. So we'll see how that all works out. Like I said, come back Monday for Bear Up and Bear Down, and uh, we'll take it from there. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, 
My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bear Stalk Underground. <laughs>